Well, good morning, Element Church, and welcome to our online worship experience this morning. I want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas. I hope you're making the most of this Sunday by taking some time off work, if that's possible for you, relaxing, just spending it with friends, family, enjoying this time off and this holiday season. You know, over the last several weeks, we have been in a series called Miraculous Births, where we've taken a look at some of the miraculous births or miraculous events surrounding certain births um, throughout the Bible. Several weeks ago, we talked about Moses and how God providentially saved and protected Moses when the king or the Pharaoh of Egypt wanted to destroy him um, and, and all Hebrew baby boys because he saw them as a threat, as a threat to his own power and his own authority. Just like we see in Jesus when King Herod um, tried to kill Jesus and in fact, in order to do that, killed all the baby boys within uh, Bethlehem that were under the age of two because he too saw the birth of Jesus as a threat to his authority and to his power. We see that as God moves in Moses' life, that uh, he uses Moses to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt and into freedom. In a much greater way, we see the same thing with Jesus, though not physically, but spiritually. That through Jesus, God leads us out of slavery to sin and to death and into true spiritual freedom. With Moses, not only did he lead them out of something, slavery, he also led them into something, the very presence of God. Jesus does the same thing for us. Not only does he leave, lead us out of slavery to sin and death, but he leads us into his very own presence. And Jesus taught that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father. No one comes to God except through Jesus. The week after that, we looked at the birth of Samuel. That in the Old Testament, we see a, a young woman named Hannah who unfortunately is barren and can't have children. But God hears her prayers and her cries for his help. God hears her prayers and he answers them by sending her a son, by allowing her to get pregnant. Now, God sends this message. God gives her uh, the answer to her prayers and allows her to get pregnant as a way of reminding Hannah that he had not forgotten about her, that she had not been abandoned, that God was still with her. And in the same way that Hannah was sent this message that God hears, he listens, he's paying attention and he's there, the way, the way God sent that message to her through the birth of a son, God sends the same message to us through the birth of Jesus. That the birth of Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas is a reminder that God has not forgotten about us. That he knows about our situation. That he knows about the struggles that we deal with in life. That he knows about the pain and the suffering that we endure. That he hears our cries and that God has not abandoned us. And then of course just a few days ago um, on Christmas Eve we talked about the miraculous birth of Jesus. I mean of course who else would we talk about on Christmas Eve? And how this one moment where this unexpected, unexplainable birth takes place in a very unknown region of the world in an unexpected time changes the course of human history 
and changes every one of our personal histories as well. As we uh, are sort of wrapping up this Christmas season, we're also wrapping up this series, Miraculous Births. And I want to close our series by talking about one particular particular miraculous birth that, that hits pretty close to home for all of us. One that probably most of us never really think about. And so I want us to look at this miraculous birth by looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, in which Peter uh, is going to begin expressing just what it is that Jesus, and not only his miraculous birth, but his death and glorious resurrection has done for all of us. And so here's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. If today you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life over to God, given him the rule and the reign of your life, if you've surrendered everything over to Jesus, then that means that you have been born again. The miraculous birth that we're talking about today is yours. Your miraculous birth. That God has taken what was dead and made it alive again. But, but alive in a better and different way. And as Peter reflects on Jesus, on who Jesus was, on what Jesus did, on the impact it has on our lives. He expresses it as new birth, and he gives us three ideas that help us to understand the significance of our new birth. Look with me again in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is tied to the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus reminds us that when all seems lost, when the darkness closes in, when it seems like the end has come, God's not finished. Nothing, even death itself, can stop God and his purposes. Look at with me at what the author of Hebrews has to say. In chapter 10, the author of Hebrews is speaking of all the things that we can have confidence in because of Jesus. And here's what he concludes in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Our new birth brings about a living hope Because in our new birth, we no longer place our hope in ourselves. We no longer place our hope in other people. We no longer place our hope in particular circumstances, in particular situations. We no longer place our hope into 
possible outcomes that are with, outside of our control. Because we've been born again, we have a new hope, a hope in the living God. And our hope is steadfast because, as the author of Hebrews says, he who promised is faithful. Our hope is rooted in the faithfulness of God. Here's the second thing that Peter teaches us about the significance of what happens with us being born again. Turn with me and look at verse 4. 1 Peter 1, 4, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. In Christ, we have a, a, an inheritance that never perishes. It never grows old. It never spoils. It never fades. Nothing on this earth lasts. No matter what it is that you stand to inherit, perhaps from your parents or grandparents or uh, maybe some long-lost rich aunt or uncle. No, um, no, nothing that you will leave as an inheritance to your children or to your grandchildren. Nothing will last. There is no inheritance on this earth that will last. But because of our new birth, because of this new family that we've been born into, we stand to receive an inheritance that never ends. And how do we know that we have this inheritance? How do we know that we have this inheritance waiting for us? Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14 says this, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We all stand to receive an eternal inheritance that awaits us in heaven, one that cannot fade, one that cannot spoil, one that cannot perish. But how do we know now that we have that inheritance for later? Here Paul says, we know that we have that inheritance waiting for us Because in the here and now, God has given us his Holy Spirit to be that guarantee, to be that deposit, to give us that hope for the future. And here's the third thing that uh, Peter wants to turn our attention to on on a reality of this new birth. Verse 5, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming salvation until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I want you to look at how Paul talks about this coming salvation. Not just something that we receive now, but something even greater that's coming. Romans 8, 23. And speaking of all that isn't right today, about all the things in our world that go and have gone wrong, And how despite all the pain and the suffering and the difficulties, we know that that's not the end of the story. That the end of the story is salvation. And here's what he says about that that in-between time. In verse 13, or excuse me, 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. That we recognize that 
there's this salvation coming, but that right now we're in this in-between time where the world still hasn't been made right. Not all the problems have been fixed. And we, as well as all of creation, groan inwardly waiting for this moment when all will be made right. When all of creation and all of humanity will be restored to to what God designed us to be before sin entered the world and fractured us and fractured this world. And to speak of this coming salvation, Paul says, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. What we experience today is just a taste of what is to come. Think of all the great things that come with being born again today. The experience we have with God, our relationship with him restored, the forgiveness and freedom that we experience and get to live in now free of guilt and shame, the joy and the satisfaction that come from having a new identity in Christ. All of these things are just a taste of what's to come. Now, I don't know how you and your family celebrate the holidays, particularly Christmas, Some of you have a big feast, not too different than Thanksgiving. You gather together with family, eating great food. Well, we all know that as large families are gathering, as we're preparing for a big and great meal, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, or maybe you have special traditions surrounding Easter or Fourth of July, when when you get big families together all to eat and just to celebrate and fellowship, a lot of times as the main course and the main meals are being cooked and prepared and getting ready, there are appetizers available just sort of to hold people off um, to buy some time before the main meal is ready. Maybe when you go out to eat, one of the things that you love about going out to eat is that you get to get an appetizer. Now we recognize that while appetizers are great, they're not ultimately satisfying. We know that when we get an appetizer that more is to come. When Paul says we have the first fruits of the Spirit, it's like saying what we've experienced in God right now is just an appetizer. We've gotten just a taste just a taste of what is to come, just a taste of his goodness and his holiness. But there is a coming salvation, the full course, all the courses of this great meal, this this, uh, great banquet at the wedding supper of the Lamb that is talked about in Revelation. It is coming, and today we get just the first fruits. Today we just get a, a taste, an appetizer. Peter says that as a part of our new birth, We begin looking forward, not, we we don't just keep our eyes on today, but we begin looking forward at this coming salvation. And so I want you to think about this today. As we talk about these miraculous births in the Bible, and we're amazed when we hear all these incredible stories, and sometimes we wonder, why can't we be a part of such an incredible story like that? Why can't those things happen to us? The reality is they did. You are a part of this miraculous birth story. Though you were dead in your sins and trespasses against God, He has given you life, new life, life to the fullest. He has made you born again. You have a miraculous birth story. Because when all hope seemed lost, God stepped in and did 
what only he could do. And because of that, we now have hope. We have hope not in ourselves, but in the, the promise maker who is faithful. Because of this new birth, we have an inheritance that can never fade, that can never spoil, that will never go away. Because of this new birth, we turn our attention to the coming salvation for which today we only get a taste. And if you've never experienced that new birth, if you've never given your life and your heart wholly to Jesus, this is your moment. This is our invitation to you to turn your life over to him, the one who can make you new, give you a new birth, a new life, life eternal. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we get to come before you. We thank you that in our sin and our death and our separation from you, that you stepped into the picture, that you provided this miraculous birth that shatters history. Not just the birth of Jesus that shattered human history, but that you even make us born again, which completely shatters our own personal history. It redefines who we were in the past and puts us on a new trajectory towards the future. A future with a hope, a future with an inheritance, a future with salvation. Lord, we give all to you. We surrender all to you. Would you take our old, dead, dying, rotten, sinful lives? Would you miraculously transform them into something new, something grand, something, something only you could do? To give us a new purpose in life, to bring you honor and glory. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. We pray this in your name.